0: Audio. Jesus, not only is God, not only has beaten death, not only has fulfilled all the promises that he said that he would, but he is actually telling us that our greatest purpose in life is the way we pass along this same experience. We pass along our faith to others, not only pass it along, but baptize them, disciple them. This is really the commission of the church. everyone. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. Happy Easter Monday. Happy Resurrection Life. We are celebrating the goodness of our God together, and I hope that you've had a fantastic Easter weekend. I'm so excited that we are actually talking about the Resurrection Life here on this Monday, because I feel like in our culture, it's just so easy to approach a holiday and be like, wow, that was great, and then really never process What is it that we were celebrating and what does it change and and how do we enter into that as Christians? So I'm excited that we're going to be talking about that today as we wrap up our Jesus 101 series. We've been talking about the basics of what Jesus did. Like if you were just going to boil it down and say, what are the things that Jesus did and why do they matter? It would be these five, his baptism, his temptation, his teaching, his passion and his resurrection. And we're going to close today with his resurrection. But before we get into that, I want to thank you again for sharing and liking and reviewing this podcast. Your words give me so much life. I got to be with some people in person a couple of weeks ago and it was just so fun to get feedback about being together on the podcast as well as in my weekly email that you can pick up at Nicole Yunus.com slash Realtalk, R E A L T A L K. I always love to tell you that because on that email, you'll get a little reminder about what's going on on the podcast as well as be the first to know about updates on my new book coming out next spring. We are hard at work in finishing up the Bible study portion of that book, as well as getting some other pieces in place so that we can get it into your hands. I um, This one's been a real labor of love and can't wait to share it with you. Can't wait to talk more about it. It's called Not What I Signed Up For. That's the name of the book, and it's about uncertain seasons in life, times where we enter into a season that we would not have signed up for, that we would not have chosen, and what does God have to teach us as we journey through seasons like that, which unfortunately <laughs> seem to be a part of the human condition. Every time I say to someone, hey, I have a new book coming out. It's called Not What I Signed Up For. They're like, I get that. And then there's always something behind that. I get that because I'm caring for my aging parents. I get that because I thought i would be married and I'm not, or I was married and I'm not, and. I get that because my life, my career is not going the way I expected. So whatever that thing is that might be in your not what I signed up for season, I'm hopeful that this will be in a place of encouragement for you. Really, really can't wait to get it into your hands. So get on that email list so that you can be in the first to know group. Nicole slash real talk. R.E.A.L.T.A.L.K. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Okay, you guys, we are going to turn to the resurrection of Jesus today and do the Alive Method. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28. If you want to turn in your Bible and you want to read, I'm actually going to read you the whole chapter just because it's just so easy to pass over these details and kind of know the story if you've been in church at all. But I really want you to to just be in this story and we're going to look at three big things that happen in this chapter that we're going to talk about today. Okay, here we go. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, hey, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, my friends, let's look at a few different things that are happening in this story. I want to point out three parts of this story. Of course, there's many things we could talk about in this chapter, but let's talk about three things that happen here that you may notice. The first is about some feelings, some emotions that happen. The second is about worship and the third is about action. Okay. So we're going to talk about those three things from this chapter. You may have noticed as I read to you that multiple times people are afraid in this story. Okay. And This is so interesting because when we look at other appearances of angels in Scripture, people are generally afraid. There is something about the power and the majesty and the holiness of angels that freaks people out. It's kind of like we know what's happening because of people being afraid. And so the angels tell the women not to be afraid. Then Jesus tells them not to be afraid. There's a sense of, wow, this is overwhelming and terrifying and That is kind of like one of those moments where we feel the humanity of the story. Like, man, we are human beings who are very limited. And there's this whole other world, the spiritual realm that's going on around us that is often invisible. But there's times like this where it becomes visible. And we know that when these soldiers saw these angels, they were like dead men. They like fell out. They were not passed out and not even around while the women were being told by the angels what had happened. And so it also says in verse eight, and I love this, it says the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. And I love that thought that they were filled with joy. Friend, when you are getting close to the goodness of God through Jesus Christ, like what it means to actually follow Jesus, to take his life into your life, you will experience joy. Joy is a hallmark of the Christian faith. If you really understand the good news of the gospel, it is going to give you joy. When Jesus started his public ministry, remember baptism, temptation, teaching, when he started his public ministry, he opened to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the captive. Like if you're a person who feels like you've been in bondage or that you have a poverty of spirit or of life and you experience Jesus It is the best news ever. It's almost like too good to be true. And this is what it means to start following Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, I myself have life. I am living water. I am the bread of life. And as this becomes true, and I, when Jesus said that he would beat death, he meant it. And he actually did. He beat death. And so when they find the empty tomb, it's like everything that Jesus promised is true. And even in their fear, their fear of what does this mean and how do I understand it and what is this going to mean for my life? There's joy. There's joy there. If you want to do a diagnosis of how it's going in your faith, you can ask the question, am I experiencing joy today? And you can ask God to remove what might be blocking you from experiencing that joy. Because when you're in the good news of Jesus, when you are in Christ, there will be joy. And you can have pain and still have joy. You can have sadness and still have joy. But joy is this deep sense of, oh my gosh, these things that Jesus said about himself are actually true. And so these women hurry away from the tomb and they're afraid, but at the same time, they're full of joy. They're full of joy about what they've experienced. And then it says that when Jesus appeared, they clasped his feet and worshiped him. This is the second thing that we want to understand. This is huge for our theological understanding that Jesus accepted worship of himself. Now this happens one other time in Scripture, in the beginning of John, when the blind man worships Jesus, why is this so important? Well, in the Jewish faith, we know this from the the Ten Commandments. What's the first commandment in the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other god before me. Like, G, it's very clear in the Jewish tradition that God is one God, and you can worship no other gods but me. So, anyone, as Jesus was, was a Jewish teacher. If you were a Jewish teacher, it would be so offensive to receive someone's worship to your person. It would be violating the number one rule of what you believe. And so when people think of Jesus as just a great teacher, just a great Jewish rabbi, or even a prophet, anyone who was a prophet of God, this this Israel's God, would never accept worship. Like that would be never happening, which is one of the reasons why people accused Jesus of blasphemy was because he accepted worship. And we need to understand for our own theological framework how important it is that Jesus accepts worship, that Jesus is fully God and fully man, that Jesus was not just a great teacher. He's not an amazing prophet. He's not a mystic. He is all those things, but he is more because he is the one and only son. He is the one who took the weight and wrath of sin upon himself, took it to the cross and then beat death because He is both fully God and fully man. It says in Philippians 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus himself came, condescended to humility and obedience to his father to take on the wrath and the sin of the world, to take on the wrath and sin of you and me so that we might have communion with the father. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. You see, Jesus is not an offensive figure until you say that he is God. Jesus can be, an it's just, it's easy to call Jesus a great teacher. It's easy to call Jesus a prophet. But when you say, no, Jesus is the only way, like Jesus is the only son of God. Jesus is God. That is the dividing line. And that is what he is allowing to happen in his resurrected state, he allows worship of him because he truly is God. And there are many religions out there or shades of religion that that seem to follow Jesus that, that don't actually promote Jesus as God. So as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we want to understand these moments in the text and how important it is that we see, oh yeah, like that's crazy. That would be crazy for a human to just say, sure, worship me. It was because Jesus was fully man and fully God in the mystery of Jesus's incarnation we know that when we see him receiving this worship. So these things happen and it's crazy, right? And the d- disciples do what Jesus said and they go on to Galilee and then Jesus appears to them here and now we see Jesus who is now commissioning his followers about what they're really doing here on earth. Like I'm sure to see the risen Christ is to say, like, can I just be with you? Can I just worship you forever? Which is what we'll have in heaven. But Jesus ascends to heaven and he doesn't take his followers with him. He leaves them behind. He commissions them with a purpose for what God has for them next. And so we find that here in Matthew 28. This is called the Great Commission. And in this, Jesus says, listen, all authority has been given to me. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And now I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to tell you what your life is going to be about. He says, you're going to go and make disciples of all nations. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here's where we see that triune God, that three in one God. God is three persons in one. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. We're going to baptize in the name and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is saying, hey, you can't just cling to me, right? In John chapter 21, when Mary sees Jesus in the garden, in that account, she clings to him. And Jesus says, don't cling to me, go to the disciples. And there's this sense of like, when we know the good news of Jesus, when we see who Jesus can be for us, we do want to cling to him. We want to sit with him. We want to be with him. But Jesus says, you're going to actually go and do in my name. Like I'm going to commission you into the kingdom of God. Remember Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which we're going to talk about in our next series. This is Jesus, King Jesus, inaugurating his kingdom. And he's telling his followers, This is what it looks like to live as a citizen of my kingdom. And now he's commissioning his followers to say, This is what it looks like to invite other people to live in my kingdom and to teach them what it looks like to be obedient to my teaching and to my commands. And so we see here in this chapter that Jesus not only is God, not only has beaten death, not only has fulfilled all the promises that he said that he would, but he is actually telling us that our greatest purpose in life is the way we pass along this same experience. We pass along our faith to others, not only pass it along, but baptize them Disciple them. This is really the commission of the church. And by the church, I don't mean the building that you go to. I mean the people of God. <laughs> the people of God, the citizens of the kingdom. Our great commission is how we are out sharing that message with others. So when we ask the question, what does it mean for me? And specifically, what does it mean for me on Resurrection Monday to live like a citizen of the kingdom? There's a couple different ways that you might apply this. First of all, know that at all times we should be about sharing our faith. Like your faith is not a private endeavor. A lot of people like to say, oh, my faith is private. I'm like, well, your faith can be private, but God's definitely called you to be speaking about your faith. Like, are you living with joy? Are you living in the joy of your salvation and of the knowledge of what the good news actually means? That's the first thing. The second thing is we have to pray and seek God's wisdom to know how to apply what God has spoken into the specific lives of those he has called us to. And God called you to every life that you encounter. If you are interacting with a life, God has called you to that person. If that person, you don't need to worry about where they are necessarily like in or out of the kingdom. What you need to know is if you're crossing paths with them, God has a purpose for that. God has a purpose for that in the way that you pray, in the way that you love, in the way that you care for that person. And God willing, you will be able to, like it says in scripture, always give a reason for the hope that you have. There's going to come a time in that interaction where God willing, if you're living out that joyful good news in your spirit, if you're living as a citizen of the kingdom, a person's going to ask you, how do you live this way? Like, why does this person rattle me, but that person doesn't rattle you? Why do you seem to operate in so much faith in a world that's so anxious? Why, when everyone else is competing and scrapping and politicking, are you kind and gentle and servant-hearted, whatever that is, when a person's able to ask you, it means that you're living out your faith in such a way that you look different than other people. And it's not that you look different than other people in just like weird ways. It means you look different in compelling ways, the way that you love and the way that you engage with the world and with your hardships is done in such a compelling way that people want to know more about it. That's like one of those beautiful like things that you should aspire to and pray for is that God would give you an opportunity to share your faith, to share your testimony. And that would be my action and challenge for you is that not one more year would go by. You would not have another Resurrection Monday before you've had a sincere and deep opportunity to share your faith with another person. Would you pray that with me? Would you pray that this year would be the year where you would share your faith really specifically with another, that you would be able to say, this is who I was before Christ. This is what Christ has done in my heart. And this is why I live with joy now. This isn't about what you need them to know or what you're trying to teach them. This is about, are you able to have an opportunity to share your faith sincerely and fully that you would be able to speak about the joy that you have in your life? I'm going to be praying that for you, friends. And I hope that you're praying it for one another. All right, everyone, talk with you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.